Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Part, a new beginning, let's go. Started back rocking the brown. Rockin the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Knockin them down. Baby said she wanna go to the game. To the game. Taught her how to say Padre gang. Started back rocking the brown. Rockin the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Knockin them down. Mitchell and Ness with the old school name. All of the homies holla Padre gang. Yeah, they. And good day, everybody. Welcome to episode 168 of the Talking Furries podcast and YouTube show. I'm your host, Ben Fadden, coming to you after the Padres were able to finish off the sweep of the San Francisco Giants. Hopefully, you guys in the chat can hear me. Comment in the chat. Just make sure you can hear me before I continue. I just got the mic back to work here. Um, So, trying to test that out. So, let me know in the comments if you can hear the mic. Yes? All right, perfect. All right. Welcome on in, episode 168. This is brought to you by Gaglion Bros, famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries located in Petco Park, Mission Gorge, Point Loma. You can visit gaglionbros.com to view their entire menu uh, and their addresses, their phone numbers, all that good stuff. Um, I'm going to be going to Petco Park a few times this week, uh, so I'll definitely be hitting up that Gaglion Bros stand uh, at Petco. Uh, Just see everyone coming on into the chat here. Angel, thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Let's get to this series. A really, really good series. I, if you're a Padre fan out there who is not happy, um, maybe you just don't like being happy. I'll put it that way. Because this series was a series where it was hard, or at least as I'm talking right now, it's hard to say that I am mad about this series right were there some things in this series that the Padres could have done better 
Sure, you know, Suarez, Garcia, they could have been better. But you swept the Giants on the road. You ended up having a 7-2 and two road trip. You're now 27-14. and 14. I think that's what it is. Yeah, 27-14. and 14. The Dodgers just, they uh, lost today, so the Dodgers are only a half game back of them in the National League West. Yes, I'm counting the standings on May 22nd, 2022. I don't care. Whatever. Make fun of me. Whatever. Um, but this is a series you got to be encouraged by, right? What was the worst thing that happened in this series? In the comments, what was the worst thing that happened in this series? Clevenger going on the I.L.? You know, in terms of, like, really bad things, right? Garcia and Suarez, yeah, they weren't great, right? Chris Matt struggled a little bit yesterday. But in terms of, like, the really, like, bad stuff that happened, it wasn't really on the field, right? So you got to be encouraged by what you saw this weekend. Um, you know, pregame Friday, the Padres activated Tim Hill. They optioned Stephen Wilson to AAA. Stephen Wilson ends up being called back up today because Clev goes on the IL with that uh, triceps injury, and we'll get to that. I thought at the time when Stephen Wilson was sent down, I think it was a little bit of a surprising move because even though he had struggled that Atlanta game and blew that game last Saturday, he'd been pitching well. He was one of Bowmel's, you know, high leverage guys to go to, and to send him down, it was kind of like, okay, where are you going to go from here then, right? Um, but they send him down. He's, he's back up now, and he pitched, I believe, one clean inning today uh, without giving up a run. That's what I mean by the clean inning. Um, but yeah, that move at the time was kind of confusing to me. They activated Tim Hill uh, to replace Steven Wilson on the roster. I was kind of fine. I was fine with that. Um, you know, Tim Hill, the matchups guy, he was gonna, he's not a minor leaguer. It's obvious that he's going to be on the team. But for me, uh, to be honest, you know, I'm a diehard partner fan. I watch every game. But I was, it's like I forgot about Tim Hill. You know, I was like, oh, yeah, Tim Hill. Oh, that guy. Just maybe maybe because he's a matchup guy. Maybe because I was just so focused on Steven Wilson, Luis Garcia, Robert Suarez, Taylor Rogers, Nabil Chrismat. And I was just like, oh, okay. Or maybe I lumped Tim Hill into that same conversation or that same group as uh, Adams and Johnson, as guys that were like on the 60 day. But um, he's up on the roster. I don't think he pitched today, did he? I think it was Stammon and Wilson, maybe one other guy. Um, but I know he pitched, I think, Friday, came off the IL, got that fly out uh, to center. I think it was like four pitches, something. It was like one batter. Um, but he came up. Lamette, that same day on Friday before the game, he was sent to double A from triple A. And he was optioned to make room for Cano before that Brave series, their first, uh, that first game of the Padres road trip. And now they're coming home, obviously. But that was a while ago now. Um, but yeah, so Lamette, a couple surprising moves. Wilson being sent down. I know he's up now, but at the time being sent down. And then Denelson Lamette going to double A. He hadn't even pitched in triple A. I was looking at his game logs and he didn't even pitch. So I don't even really know what's going on there. I don't think anyone in the media has gotten anything about what's actually going on with Denelson Lamette. So 
I guess you just have to look at the missions games and see if he pitches. I don't want to say that I've given up on him, but I'm definitely not counting on him to give the Padres like important innings this year, right? He seems more like a trade candidate than a guy that's going to come up and help the team this year, right? It's just he just has not been the same since 2020 when he walked off the mound there in San Francisco. Um, but that was the the Friday news pregame. The Padres ended up winning uh, that game eight to seven. They won it in 10 innings. Uh, the Giants had the lead, but then the Padres took it back. They'd have the lead until the eighth inning, until, uh, who was that? Luis Garcia pretty much blew it. Had the, it was the single walk, walk, and then the hit by Wilmer Flores. And that tied the game. And then the Padres came back in extras. Manny Machado with that RBI double, which was a total line drive. Um, just a bullet in the left center field gap. That gave the Padres the lead there. And then the bottom of the 10th, uh, Crawford had an RBI single to center, made it 8-7. By the way, um, that eighth run the Padres scored was on Profar's RBI single uh, to the mound off the mound. Um, we'll get to the fans. Um, but I, I didn't want to go through all the scoring plays because I usually do that, but it doesn't really make sense to do that when it's an extra inning game, right? The Padres had a 4-1 lead at one point after Alfaro's RBI double uh, down the line in the third, but then they'd end up losing that lead in the fifth when Darren Ruff hit that home run. His second home run of the game off Sean Manaya. Um, and the Padres took back the lead, 6-4 in the eighth, and then Garcia gave it up. So it was just a lot of back and forth in this game. But Shamanaya started for the Padres, six innings, four runs, uh, five hits, two walks, five strikeouts. I don't think he was, like, terrible. Um, I know Darren Ruff got him a couple times, which Darren Ruff always seems to get the Padres offensively. He had a rough series kind of defensively, and so that was great to watch. Um, but offensively, it's kind of like those no-name guys, right, that just get the Padres in the division, right? You think of, like, David Peralta. I know he's not a no-name, but David Peralta with the Diamondbacks. Um, what, C.J. Crone maybe a little bit with the Rockies. The Dodgers, I mean, it's a lot of people. Um, but you get my point, like, with the Giants, it seems like Darren Ruff is that guy that always gets the Padres. And he did it again on Friday with those two home runs. But look, at the end of the day, yeah, Chris Mount in the eighth inning, he wasn't solid. Um, gave up that liner, the double before getting replaced by Tim Hill, who came out and got Chris Mount out of that jam. Yeah, Cattell Marte, uh, that's another one in the chat there, yeah. He's another one, but he's not a no-name, right? Connor Joe, I don't think he's on the Rockies anymore, but yeah, Brandon, I understand that. He has before. Then Herman Marquez, well, that's wasn't he an all-star last? I'm talking more about like no-name guys. Um, but getting back to Chris Matt, it was kind of weird because earlier in the day when I talked to Lauren Shahadi of MLB Network and uh, TBS, 
they, she has a segment on MLB Central Jersey City where she highlights some of the lesser known players around the league that don't get like the, you know, the highlights played of them or any of the big publicity. Did I say publicity? Publicity. Um, they don't get that a lot of that attention. Um, and so I was, I told Lauren, I was like, hey, highlight Nabil Chrismat. Um, she thought I was going to say Hassan Kim. That was another good one. Um, but I said, Chris Matt, hey, he wasn't a guarantee to make the roster last year. Then he makes the roster. Then he holds the pitching staff together because of all the injuries last year. And then this year, he steals in that long man type role. And now he's pitching in high leverage situations. So it's like, hey, this is a really good guy to highlight. Um, maybe she'll do it. Maybe she won't. But I thought that was a good suggestion, by the way. That interview's out on this YouTube channel and on the podcast platforms for anyone uh, listening to the podcast. So I encourage you to go listen or watch that interview. That was probably one of my top two or three interviews that I've done um, for this podcast, this YouTube show. So I hope you guys enjoy that. Uh, I, was, I was trying to get her on for months. I'll say that. Um, but yeah, Chris Matt wasn't great. In that eighth inning, but Hill got him out of it. But then Luis Garcia, man, that was so, so frustrating because Taylor Rogers, I believe he was not available in this game. It was either this game. Yeah, I don't think he was available in this game because he pitched on Thursday in that Philly series. Um, I think it was a lot of pitches, too. I think it was like 33 pitches or something like that. So... He wasn't available, so it was like, okay, Garcia's the guy. And then, okay, gives it the single. And, and what made it so painful watching Garcia crumble there was it was the two walks because the walks took a long time, obviously. It's not like it was one pitch, single, 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 or like three pitches and one pitch each at bat. It was more just not being able to throw strikes, waiting for the next pitch. Oh, that's a ball, not, out, not inside the strike zone. Oh, next pitch, that's not a strike. And you're seeing bases, you know, get loaded. It's like, come on, dude. And he didn't really get it together. I mean, the Wilmer Flores single to left, I can't get mad at that because it was a bloop single and the pitch was up and in, right? I think it was like 97 or something crazy like that. 97 up and in on a fastball. You can't get mad at that. It was a bloop single. Garcia made his pitch there. It's the walks, right? That's what you get mad at. Um, and those walks ended up paying. Or the Padres had to pay for that. Because if he didn't walk those guys, the Wilmer Flores single would not have done damn. That wouldn't have tied the game. Okay, the single that he gave up, his first, uh, that single, the first, what was it, the first base runner in that, um, that ninth inning? That first base runner, okay, that would have scored. But then it would have still been a, I think, two, no, no, no. It would have been a 6-5 game there, I think. Yeah, 6-5, that's what it would have been. The Padres would have still had the lead there. But that first walk, I believe, is what ended up scoring. So it's the walks. That's what's, it's kind of like with Blake Snell the other day in Philadelphia, right? The walks is what ended up killing him. Two of those three walks ended up coming around to score. So it's all about just totally minimizing those walks. 
Um, but overall, hey, look, the Padres got the win 8-7. And that was only one of three wins in the series, which you got to love. You got to love that. On Saturday, the Padres ended up winning 2-1. to one, So the first two games of the series were close games. And it came, I mean, the Saturday game yesterday, it came all the way down to the wire. I mean, Myers struck out there looking with the bases loaded, and you're kind of like, man, Padre Karma. Padre Karma, you're, you're just, they're going to give it up here. I know it's Taylor Rogers on the mound, but it's kind of like, okay, well, that was your opportunity to blow this open, and you didn't do it. But Taylor Rogers is Taylor Rogers, right? Kind of like Mark Melanson last year. The majority of his closing opportunities, it's like, okay, this guy's going to close it down. It's over, right? Um, that last pitch that he threw to close the game out, that slider, oh, man, that was a nasty pitch. Um, the Padres won 2-1 to one yesterday. Top of the first, bases loaded. Austin Noel flew out to right to strand the runners. That was another... A spot there where it was kind of like, okay, that was a really good opportunity to score. But then in the third, Manny, solo homer to center field. An absolute bomb. And this was, this that wasn't even his best game uh, of the series. Sunday was his best game, and it was a historic game as well. Uh, in the sixth inning, first and third, one out. Grisham had a sack bunt to, to uh, second base. Passed Carlos Rodon. Uh, that scored Luke Voigt, made it 2 nothing. Padres in the bottom of the sixth, first and second, one out. Musgrove got out of the jam. Darren Ruff grounded into that double play in the seventh, first and second, two out. Musgrove got out of another jam. He got Evan Longoria to ground out the third base. And Joe Musgrove is the story of this game, along with Manny's home run and the play that he made uh, when Robert Suarez was on the mound. The pitch before Wilmer Flores hit that home run off of. Uh, Suarez to make it two to one. Machado made that great play, uh, that that pick play, run pick, and then throw on the run to over to first to get the uh, runner. Which if he didn't make that play, the game would have been tied after that Flores home run, and who knows if the Padres would have still swept the series. Um, so he was good there with the home run, obviously, and then Grisham with the bunt. Seems like that's just how he's producing right now is by bunting. But, hey, a bunt like that, that that did the job. Um, but Joe Musgrove, the story of this game, he literally only is going to elevate that contract that he's going to get, whether it's from the Padres in an extension, which you obviously hope that it's going to be, or whether it's from another team. <clears throat> you hope that doesn't happen. But... This guy's going to get over $20 million a year. It, it's That's obvious. It's going to happen. Um, he goes, 100 pitches yesterday, seven innings, did not give up a run, another shutout, another quality start. Every start out this year, I feel like, has been a quality start. He has not given up more than two runs in any start. Four hits. Okay, walk three. He usually doesn't walk three, guys. It's usually two or less. Struck out four. Guess what? He pitched a contact, right? Uh, and then he was 5-for-5 five five getting out of those runners in scoring position jams. 
usually it feels like, you know, when there's a runner in scoring position, someone scores. Something happens. Uh, and Joe Musgrove got out of it there. Uh, and you can't just, you just can't say enough about how great he's been this year for the Padres. He really, really has. What is his ERA right now? 190 or something crazy like that? Yeah, 1.90 is his ERA. And the Padres, after every single start that Musgrove has, they're looking at themselves in the mirror and they're like, we were really that stupid to think that he was even going to think about accepting an $11 million a year contract extension? Are we crazy? That's what they're thinking after every single start that he has. Because every start that he has this year is a quality start. Every start that he has keeps the Padres in the game. Every start that he's had this year, I believe the Padres have won all of those games. You talk about an ace of a staff, look it up on Wikipedia and Joe Musgrove's picture is going to pop up. Not really, but you get what I'm saying. Wikipedia, someone here in the chat could go do that, and I'd be right. Um, but Musgrove, he, he just been outstanding just really phenomenal and it, it feels like every start that he has it's kind of like he has this chip on his shoulder you know like 88 million dollars for eight years really huh i'm gonna laugh in your face right now really 11 million dollars a year you're gonna have to give me over 20 if you want me to stay here and not test free agency do i want to be a padre Sure. $11 million? Really? No. That's what he's thinking. And so he's going through every start. He's like, really? $11 million a year? All right. Let's go prove him wrong again. And next start out, let's go prove him wrong again. And then the next start, let's prove him wrong again. And he's done that the whole year, it seems like. So I just cannot say enough about the job that Joe Musgrove has done this year. And Annabella, you're right. There's no way we can let Musgrove leave. And there's no way that Peter Seidler, let's say that, no way that he can let Musgrove leave because he's the one that has the control here. I know Musgrove's the one that has to accept the contract, right? But if Peter Seidler gives him over $20 million a year and definitely if he gives him like $24 million a year or something like that, he's going to accept that, I think. But that's a big jump from the $11 million a year that he had. And you know these negotiations. The player is going to ask for the moon, and the club is going to ask for the ground, right? And then they're going to try to come to a, a middle point if both sides really want to work out an extension. Now, Joe Musgrove has tabled those talks, obviously, because... The talks, the proposals that the Padres are offering are not anything that he is even going to be thinking about saying yes to. And I totally agree with his thought process and that he should be getting more than the $11 million the Padres offered him. Um, but right now, I'm still optimistic that they'll get a deal done because it's Peter Seidler. It just feels different to me. He knows what the fans want. He knows that Joe Musgrove can help this team win the next few years, even after this year, and be that ace pitcher 
in this prime window of contention that they have. And to be honest, if we're looking at the immediate future, not this year, but I mean like next year, immediate future, wouldn't it be nice to have Joe Musgrove already locked up for next year when you have expiring contracts in Darvish and Snell after next season? And Nick Martinez might be gone after this year. Shamanaya and Mike Clevenger might be gone after this year. And so now you might be looking at a rotation. If you bring back Musgrove, it's Gore, Musgrove, Darvish, and Snell. And Snell doesn't stay healthy all the time. Darvish, I'm confident in him. But he got hurt as well last year. So you could literally go from seven guys, seven rotation options. Well, now six because club's on the IL. But you could go from seven guys, you get what I'm saying, seven rotation options to four. Five, if you want to put Marjone there. Marjone would be the fifth starter. I'm sorry, I'd rather have Mackenzie Gore as my fifth starter than Marjone, right? In terms of, like, depth. And Musgrove, you keep Musgrove. Even if you don't bring back Manaya and Clev, I, th I think the fan base can definitely be okay with that because you brought back the best of those three guys. You brought back the hometown kid from Grossmont High. The guy that wore that wears 44 for Jake Peavy. You know, you brought back San Diego's guy, right? No disrespect to Clev or Manaya. I know they're good friends with Musgrove and all that, but we know who the best of those three guys are. We know who belongs to be uh, belongs to be a padre for the rest of their career, right? It's Joe. So he needs to be the priority. And just like Manny said yesterday after the game. Pay the man? Yeah, pay him. I'm not, I mean, Jacob, my cousin, said today, I was over at his house and he said, a blank check. I don't know if it needs to be a blank check, but give him, at least offer him 20, if you offer him $20 million a year in an extension, okay, at least I can say you're trying. You're actually trying. But $11 million a year, that's not actually trying. That's putting out an offer there. And maybe that's their, it's not their first offer, I don't believe. I think there's been reports that it's not their first offer, the Padres. But even if it is, like, that's still a really low first offer. Like, it needs to be higher than that. It just does. So, I know I just rambled off there into a long conversation about Musgrove's, uh, you know, extension and what that's going to cost. But he was the story of Saturday's game as the Padres won 2-1. to one. If he didn't pitch that well, the Padres probably wouldn't have won that game. Because let's say he gives up a run or he gives up two runs. And Suarez gives up that run to Flores, that home run to Flores, and Padres lose 3-2. to two. You know, that, that just shows how valuable Musgrove was. And Manny was too at that home run. And the pick that he made before that Flores home run so I don't want to, you know, not mention him. I don't want to mention, I don't want to not mention Grisham with the bunt that he laid down, but Musgrove was the story yesterday. So the Padres won two to one and they improved to 26 and 14. They'd be 27 and 14 after to win, which was over by like the fourth inning. Uh, it was a perfect day to go, to go uh, celebrate Jacobs, my cousin's birthday, um, because the game was over. By the time left, essentially, it was like seven nothing, and then it ended up being ten to one. But I do want to get to game Sunday. Uh, the Padres placed 
Mike Clevenger on that 15-day injured list retroactive to May 21st, so retroactive to yesterday, with a right tricep strain. Clev, from what I know, he threw a bullpen yesterday. So, were the triceps hurt during that bullpen? I mean, that seems logical. Seems like that would be the case. And then Stephen Wilson was recalled. Uh, not a surprise that they recalled him. Get an extra arm in the bullpen. And Mackenzie Gore, who was in the bullpen in that Philadelphia series, he's in the rotation back now. Back in the rotation. So you need to find another guy for the bullpen. So you bring Steven Wilson in. Who I think will go right to where he was and be a seven or eighth inning guy. Depending on rest and, you know, all that stuff. But with Clev, I mean, my approach to this and when I saw this news, it's like, oh, come on. I mean, I think I tweeted that on the Talking Friars Twitter, at Talking Friars. Uh because that was my reaction. It's like, right when it felt like he was starting to pitch really well, then he goes on the IL. Um, so that sucked. But at the same time, it's kind of like, okay, just stay healthy. Get healthy, please, you know? Good thing, it's not like last year where we have to go sign Garrietta who fakes a hamstring injury and goes and plays golf. Um it's not like we were signing him or Vince Velasquez. We have Mackenzie Gore who can come out of the from the bullpen back to the rotation, right? We still have Nick Martinez in the bullpen who can fill in as a starter. And Martinez, by the way, he's not in the bullpen for his next start. He's starting tomorrow night's game against the Milwaukee Brewers in that first game of a week-long homestand at Petco Park. Brewers and then the Pirates for the Padres. So they got arms. They That's the positive thing. They have arms. They still have Darvish, Musgrove, Manaya, Snell, uh, Gore, Martinez. I think they're giving Snell an extra day of rest, so that's why they went with Martinez there for tomorrow's game because that Snell was not ready to pitch tomorrow. He was on schedule to pitch Tuesday, so I'll be at that game. So we'll see how he does then. Um, what was I going to say? They have Chris Matt as another option. Stammen, obviously, who can fill multiple innings. So I'm not worried about their pitching situation right now because guys are healthy, right? That's that's the positive thing. Uh, if you're going to take a positive out of Clev being on the injured list uh, for the second time already this season, he had the knee injury to start the year and then this, this uh, triceps issue, um, the right triceps strain to be specific, the positive is that they have pitching and can save him some innings, I guess, right? He's not throwing right now because of the triceps issue. So I, I guess that's the positive out of it. Um, but as for Sunday's game, it was a blowout from the get-go, essentially. Padres had a one nothing lead in the first inning, and they didn't give it up the rest of the game. It would be 2 nothing. After the second inning, Cronenworth with a sack fly to center. He'd drive in another run later. Manny had a huge day. We will get to him. Uh, one pitch after Cronenworth hit that home run foul to the McCovey Cove there in, in San Fran. He drives in his second run of the game on an RBI single, made it 3-0 Padres. Manny with the RBI double made it 5-0 in the fourth. 
Myers had ground with double down the left field line, made it 7-0. That scored Myers and Hosmer. Uh, and through the fourth inning, I, I saw this stat. I looked it up on the box score during the game. The Padres had zero. Well, let me rephrase that. They had one guy in the starting lineup without a base hit through those four innings. If you guys can guess who that is, congratulations. It's probably easy to guess, and it's Luke Voigt. Did he get a hit today? I don't know. Um, I know he walked in that next at-bat. I was watching that live. But yeah, so the four, I mean, they had eight of their nine starters with hits. And then in the bottom of the fourth, a sack uh, fly to right made it 7-1 in the fifth. Or excuse me, 7-1 Giant, uh, Giants with that first run there. Then the fifth, Profar had an RBI double. In the sixth, Kim had an RBI double. In the same sixth inning, Jose Azokar had a fielder's choice ground out that made it 10-1, and that ended up being the final score in this game. Okay, Kwan, yeah, Voigt got a blooper to left, yeah. I didn't watch the entire game. Uh, I was following it, but I didn't watch the entire game because I was at my cousin's house. Um, but yeah, it was just a tremendous performance pretty much all around. I mean, Mackenzie Gore, he gets through six innings on the pregame show today, which is available on this YouTube channel. I go live before every single game. Um, well, maybe not live before every game, but I, I do a pregame show before every game. Most of them are live. Uh, on Tuesday, hopefully I'll be able to do the pregame show from inside Petco Park, so stay tuned for that. Um, but on the pregame show, I was kind of wondering, like, hey, uh, is Gore going to get through six finally today? Or I didn't really think he was going to get through six because he skipped that one turn through the rotation. Maybe they just want to keep it easy on him, right? They still they have stamina available, can go multiple innings, and they can just go the regular bullpen the rest of the way. But he ended up going six because he was only at 90 pitches through those six innings. It's not like he was at over, over 100 pitches or 110 pitches like I think Manaya was at earlier, uh, I think that Pittsburgh start earlier this year, that wasn't the case. So he was really, really effective. What inning was that? Uh, I think it was the fourth inning there where he got sacked fly out to right for the only Giants run. He had second and third there. So, yeah, he wasn't solid. He, he wasn't solid the entire, like, start, but he gave it one run. That's a solid start overall. And so... 90 pitches, like I said, gave up one earned run, that one earned run in the fourth. Gave up three hits, walked two, struck out six. His ERA is 2.06 right now. And I probably said this on a previous episode when Gore was pitched in a series. I really like what I see out of him right now in terms of his maturity. I know some people might be like, okay, who's... Uh, or what what's uh what does this maturity what does that phrase or that word mean in baseball well like he's pitching like he's a veteran it feels like i don't know about you guys you can let me know in the chat but it feels to me like he's pitching like a guy who's been in the big leagues for at least a full season right where he's you know pitching smarter if that makes sense like his first few starts, it really felt like he was going really fastball heavy and because the slider wasn't working. And it feels like his breaking pitches have started to work more. 
Is he using his fastball still? Yeah. But it feels like to me that his breaking pitches are being more effective and he's using those breakers more. So I definitely like what I'm seeing out of McKenzie. And this story, though, you know, offensively, it was definitely Mr. Manny Machado, the National League MVP right now. No doubt about it, hands down. I think he leads the National League in hits, if I, if I saw that correctly today on Twitter. Today, this is a real score stat line. If you did not watch the game, a real stat line from Machado today at the plate. Four for four, three doubles, one triple, one walk, and he scored three runs. I'm going to say that again because that is amazing. Four for four, three doubles, one triple, one walk, and scored three runs. So they didn't want to pitch to him in the walk. Three three doubles, four extra base hits. My goodness. If you didn't think this guy was the MVP before today or this series, you know, he homered yesterday, how do you say that anyone else in the National League right now is an MVP over Manny? Crickets, right? Uh, I don't think you can. Dodger fans, I'd love to hear who you think is the MVP this year if it's not Manny. Because all due respect to Bryce Harper, he's been out a little bit because of that uh, PVRP injection he had. Uh, and he's not playing the field, right? He's not doing things both sides of the, of the game, right? He, he's not. Is he hitting well? Yeah. Um, did he play amazing against the Dodgers last weekend? Yeah. Hit like three bombs. He's a great player. He's one of my favorite players, if not my favorite player. Um, Musgrove's pretty high up there too. Uh, and Will. Um, but Manny is saving games offensively and defensively. You know, yesterday, hits the home run. Offensively, saving games. They win by run, one run. If he didn't hit that solo home run, they wouldn't have won there. And defensively. He makes that pick at third base before Suarez gives up the home run to Wilmer Flores to keep it at a one-run game instead of the game being tied at two. That's what MVPs do. Both sides of the game. So, I just can't say enough about Manny. I mean, right now, his OPS is 1,065. You have an OPS over 800, I think that's pretty dang good. An OPS over 1,000, you got really got something right. Really got something going. Uh, and his slugging percentage, I loved this. Uh, I looked at the stat today after the game. Anyone want to guess what his slugging percentage is? I'll wait a couple seconds in the chat. If anyone has any guesses what his slugging percentage is, don't look it up. Don't look it up. It has something to do with San Diego. Area code. No sky, not 490. Not 858, but Quan says infinity. <laughs> Seems like it. 619. 619 is what his slugging percentage is. So I believe, yep, 619, you're right. Ryan, Tupac, 13, yep. 
So the slugging so sixty one point nine percent of his hits are extra base hits. I believe that's what slugging percentage means. I don't have a dictionary in front of me, but I think I know stats pretty well. Six one nine slugging percentage. That's pretty dang good, really good. And he is definitely the MVP of this league right now. National League, definitely. American League, I don't know. I I, I tr try to pay attention to the American League, but I'm definitely so dialed into the Padres. It's kind of hard to pay attention to every team, right? Um, but I just can't. It's like I've run out of words to describe Manny. I mean, amazing. Uh, just blows you away. That's four words. I mean, Lauren Shahadi said uh, on a Friday when I talked to her, she was just saying when she talked to Manny, just how knowledgeable he was about the game, how insightful he was about the game, how respectful of the game he was, how humble he was. So this is coming right from someone that has talked to him, has interviewed him. And this was years ago. Imagine how much he's developed since then. Right? So I just can't say enough about Manny. Um, and hopefully he can get that MVP. I still have my doubts because of like the media and the misconceptions about him. But you just hope that, hey, look, I mean, you hope that he blows it so far out of the water, blows everyone else so far out of the water that he's like, it forces the voters to say, hey, this guy's the MVP, right? So that's what you hope for, is that they don't have another option. You know how sometimes in those MVP races, it's kind of like, you know, MLB Network, they unveil the MVP, and the MVP has like 100 more votes than the other guys. That's what it feels like it should be with Manny uh, right now. And I feel like that's what he's going to have to do to guarantee that he wins the NL MVP. Is it kind of sad to say? Yeah. Um, but that I guess that's just the world that we live in with the, you know, the media bias, I guess, against him. You know, that makes sense. YOLO from El Paso checking in. If you go to any Chihuahuas game there, uh, Luis Camposano... Luis Camposano is raking. I'd prefer him to be up here at the big leagues, but I under—I mean, I understand uh, why the Padres have sent him down. I mean, and why he's down right now, right? They bring in Cano to be another DH option. So it doesn't seem like Campy's going to come up soon unless Alfaro or Nola get hurt, right? But Campy's raking. Mazzara's gotten on base in every game down there in El Paso. Um, on the Talking Friars Twitter account, at Talking Friars, I, write, I put out some minor league stats. I try to do it once a day or every couple of days on any stats that I see coming out of those minor league games. If you want to follow that uh, Twitter account, if you're interested in that. Annabella asks a good question. How do you get these people on your channel? Are you talking about Lauren Shahadi, Keith Bell, Kurt Bavacqua, guys like that that I've had, or girls girls and guys that I've had like that uh, recently. Through connections. I mean, that's really 
all that I can say. Um, it's not like I have this like secret thing. I just, I just reach out, and sometimes they don't answer. Sometimes they do, and when they do, I try to get them on. So let me know in the chat if you have any. Uh, that's a good idea, actually, that just popped into my head. Let me know of any uh, good guests that you think I should try to get on. Um, no one with the Padres, no like players or guys like that, uh, broadcasters for now, because the Padres aren't allowing me to interview them for some reason because of their long-standing club policy, even though they let me interview Jesse Agler, so I don't really understand that, but whatever. So, like, former players, maybe reach out in social media, uh, people like that, radio people, yeah, Quantas, former Padres, yeah. I've had Heath Bell on, Kurt Mavacqua, Tyson Ross, Clayton Richard, Adam Rosales. I hope I didn't leave anyone out. But yeah, those are the former Padres that I've had on so far. Um, and then Yolo asks, when is Tatis coming back? June? I think June, yeah. Uh, probably late June. I don't think it's early June, but mid-late June is probably what I would guess. I think Annie Halliburton had that update in Philadelphia a few days ago during that Philadelphia series, just an update that Tatis is in Arizona. He isn't swinging a bat yet, but he's fielding, he's running, and everything's going well there. Um, and she said probably not early June, but mid-late June. Yeah, and uh, I see that in the chat, Annabella. Not sure right now, but I'll let you know if you have any ideas. Yeah, uh, at Talking Friars, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I'm trying to get Annie on, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've tried to reach out to her a couple times. Um, so hopefully we can get that done. Um, but yeah, at Talking Friars, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, uh, in the YouTube comments even, I check those. Uh, TalkingFriars at gmail.com. Those are the ways that you can uh, reach me. And then Quan says, oh, I, I have no idea how I'm going to answer this. I have a question. If you were to pick a walkout song, what would it be? I don't know. I, I uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I like the intro song that I have, the Padre Gang one. I'm not a music guy. Yeah, I, I'm i a sports podcast, MLB Network, ESPN, sports radio. That's what I am. Um, and then doing this show, right? That's what I am. Very boring, <laughs> some people might say. All right, All right. Did, did I finish talking about this game, this final Padre game? which was a great one. 10-1, Padres won. They're 27-14 and 14 so far right now. A half game back of the Dodgers in the National League West. You got to be happy about it. You really got to be happy about it. I mean, I was, I said on the pregame show a couple days, I think going into the San Francisco series, I was like, I'm fine with a 5-4 and four road trip. 
you're playing the Braves, defending World Series champs. You're playing the Phillies, and I thought they'd have Bryce Harper, but they didn't. But it's still a good offensively talented team. And then the Giants, who are tough, usually, always. You, you know, you're facing Carlos Rodon and Alex Wood and guys like that. I thought that would have been a tough series, right? And it was. They won two of the games by one run. And then before blowing out the Giants today. So not only do they not just go 5-4 and four and have a winning road trip, which I would have been fine with, but they go 7-2. and two. And you could have made the argument that they should have been 6-1 and one probably because they should have swept that Brave series. They should not have lost that Saturday game in Atlanta. Yeah, maybe I'm picky about that. Hey, Ben, you're coming off a 7-2 and two road trip. You should be happy, and I, I just said that I'm happy. But when you think about it, it's like Stephen Wilson was left in there way too long by Ryan Christensen, the interim manager, now the bench coach for Bo Mill. Bo Mill's back, undefeated, by the way, post-prostate surgery. There we go. Um, but, so they should be 6-1. and one. You know, Wilson... What was it? The home run to Ozuna, the double to Riley. He just left them in, in too long there. Should have brought in Chris Matt earlier. Or whoever they brought in after him. But they won that Sunday game in extras against the Braves. So 6-1, and one, I mean, you could have definitely got there. 7-2 and two is what you are. Half game back of the Dodgers. If they would have won that game against the Braves last Saturday, wouldn't they be in first place over the Dodgers? And I think all these games are going to matter at the end of the year. You might say, hey, Ben, it's 10162. It doesn't really matter. Hey, well, I mean, this National League West, Giants, Padres, Dodgers, it's pretty tough. It's nothing to sneeze at, right? Nothing to sneeze at. Just like Lauren Shoddy told me on a Friday, this division's good. It's good. So. These games are going to matter, and you would think that they're probably going to split the Dodger games, right, with the Dodgers, like in half. I know it's 19 games, but pretty much in half. So it's about what you do in these games that you should win. How many games that you should win do you actually win? Because last year, there were games where the Padres should have won and they didn't win, and there were a lot of them that ended up costing the Padres, right? Obviously... It costed them in a big way because the team collapsed, right? It didn't cost them like they lost the division by two games or something like that. It cost them in terms of just sucking the second half of the year and injuries and all that. But I'm talking about like these games, like the Arizona game opening day, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Atlanta, those games that you should win, um, I feel like they're going to cost you at some point. And I'm not even talking about the division. I'm just talking about the first wild card, you know, where you get that home field advantage in the wild card series. You're telling me that you'd rather go to Queens to play the Mets instead of uh, host the Mets? I mean, that's just one possibility. I'm not saying that's going to happen. But with the home crowd, I'd rather be at a, I'd rather be at the playoff game than watching on TV, right? And then, uh, let's see, Annabelle asked, does Lauren Shahadi have an actual team or no? Uh, she, said, she said, 
I know she's a reporter and she has to be fair and not to be biased, but does she have a team that's her hometown team or favorite team? Yes. Her team is the Nationals. Yeah, I think she, I believe she grew up there. Um, there was actually in spring training, I think it was a couple years ago, they did this thing on MLB Network where Lauren signed like a, a one year, about well, one year, like a one day contract or something to be a player on the team or something. It was just a thing for the cameras. But yeah, the Nationals are her team. Um, but I did in the lower right hand corner on YouTube on the you can watch the episode on YouTube this YouTube channel. I put the picture of her wearing a Padre jersey on there because that she picked the Padres to win the World Series last season, opening day last season. So I just saw the picture of her wearing the Padre jersey. So I was like, hey, let me just throw that on there. Uh, but yeah, the Nationals are her team. But getting back to this series, I mean, you just got to be happy. You swept the Giants, 7-2 and two road trip, and now you get to come back home in front of the fans. Manny Machado bobblehead day on Tuesday. Yeah, this Milwaukee series might be tough, but then you get to play the Pittsburgh Pirates. Talk about adding some wins. I mean, let's let's go. Let's go. Let's look at the Brewers. I'll get to a voicemail. There was one voicemail that was sent in uh, from Alex in Pacific Beach. So we'll get to that. Again, if you have a voicemail... Uh, that you want to send in and that you want played on the show. Let me get that number for you. Just dial... Where is it? I have it somewhere. Did I remove it? I might have removed it from my profile. Hang on. Yeah, I might have actually removed it. Hang on, I, I got to have it somewhere. Here it is, 619... Three three five five seven seven zero. I'll put it in the chat. Six one nine three three five five seven seven zero. That's the phone number. That's the voicemail number. So if you have any reaction to games or anything like that, just dial up that number, and I'll play it on the show. So we'll play that voicemail. But I did want to preview the uh, Brewers Padres series. Irie, I like that comment. One eight hundred Ben's the man. Uh, that's funny. Um, Milwaukee Padres series. Again, the Padres are at home for three games in this pitcher in the uh, at Petco on uh, Monday. So tomorrow, Adrian Hauser on the mound for the Brewers. Nick Martinez on the mound for the Padres. That's at six forty. And then on Tuesday, it's also at 640. I'm going to that game, the Manny Machado bobblehead game. 
Corbin Burns on the mound against Blake Snell. Snell coming off that up-and-down performance against the Phillies in his first start of 2022. And then Aaron Ashby for the Brewers against you Darvish at 110. That's the Wednesday day game. I believe I am going to go to that game as well. Trying to look at the Brewers. What are they up to this year? So they're in first place in the National League Central. They have a pretty close record to the Padres. 26 and 15. They are 12 and 9 on the road. They're 6 and 4 in their last 10 games. Three games up on the Cardinals, nine and a half up on the Cubs and Pirates, and then 13 and a half games up on the Reds in the National League Central. Padres are 27 and 14. So, or yeah, 27 14. So, pretty good record. Uh, both teams are above 500 in their last 10 games. So, this looks to be a pretty dang good series. So, that starts off tomorrow. Um, Daniel, you say, quick question, does does Tatis qualify virtually for the MVP award when he comes back? If he plays every day and gets tons of at-bats as a... Wait, hang on, that question didn't make sense. Quick question, does Tatis qualify virtually for the MVP award when he comes back if he plays every day and gets tons of at-bats as a first bat? Leadoff hitter, I think, is what you mean. It'd be fun having him fight Machado for that spot. No, I, I don't think he virtually qualifies for the MVP award. No. When you miss, like, half the season, essentially, I don't think so. Last year, Tatis didn't even win the MVP, leading the National League in home runs, switch positions so that the team could keep his bat in the lineup, and then switching back to shortstop from right field. And he only missed 30 games. He's, missed, he's going to miss way more than 30 games this year before he even plays his first game for the Padres at the big league level this season. So, no, I don't think so. I think Manny is the Padres' option to win the MVP and then Musgrove for Cy Young. And then Taylor Rogers for, what is it, the Hoffman Reliever of the Year Award or whatever? That's, that's who it's going to be. Those are their options for award winners. And then right, Gore for Rookie of the Year, too. Melvin for Manager of the Year. I don't want to try to leave anyone out there. Yeah, Irie says Gore is a lockdown for Rookie of the Year. For the Padres candidate for Rookie of the Year, I'd say yes. In terms of like being a lockdown to win the award like in the National League, I don't think he's a lockdown. Definitely depends on what he does the rest of the year. And let's say like Seiya Suzuki has a great year. They're going to give it to him because he plays every day. All right, let's see here. I'll get to the mailbag or the uh, voicemail. I'm just trying to scroll through these comments here real quick to see if I missed anything. Um, let's see. Yeah, I think Aaron Judge is the MVP in the American League. I'd probably agree with that. Quan.
Some of you guys have your walk-up songs in here. I haven't heard of any of these, so I'm not a music guy, so I guess enjoy that conversation amongst yourselves. <laughs> Jim says, hot streak is due to the swag chain being missing. Yeah, swag chain. Hopefully that doesn't come back. I know it came back in the clubhouse after that Alfaro walk-off. It was a walk-off granny or three-run home run on Mother's Day this year. I think it came back in the clubhouse, but it wasn't in public. So as long as it's not in public, we're good. Don't need to bring the collapsed swag chain out again. Someone asked the best drip. Uh, I mean, to be honest, I kind of like Taylor Rogers. I know that's not drip. I'm I'm more of a, a sweatshirt, sweatpants type of guy, and that's kind of what Taylor Rogers is. Sweatshirt. He had sweatshirt and jeans on. So if he substituted the sweats for jeans, or excuse me, the uh, jeans for sweats, then I'd I'd be with that. I'm kind of just judging it off of what I see the Padres post, like as they're going on uh, on planes and stuff after series. I mean, Drip, I guess you could say Tatis or Manny. Um, people like to say Haas with his suits. John says, White Sox beat the Yankees 5-0. I think that was the Sunday night baseball game. All right, so that game's over. Yeah, Annabella says, Stammon has dad drip. I mean, he, he is a dad, so I guess. All right, let's get to the voicemails. Hopefully this works. Because I know it didn't work last time, so let's see here. Let's try this. So this is from Alex from Pacific Beach. And oh, let me see if it loads. Maybe I have to play it from my phone. Where's my phone? All right, let's see here. It worked last time when I tried to load it up. All right, hopefully this works. Hopefully you can hear it from my microphone. Uh, he asked a question about the bullpen. So here it is. Hi, Ben. Um, Alex from Pacific Beach. Um, I just had a question for you about just the uh, bullpen options that we'll have here um, the next couple of weeks, hopefully. Um, I know I think probably will probably end up trading for somebody at the deadline, but um, I'm curious if you think we'll have the most impact uh, for the guys who are kind of rehabbing right now and then we're still on the uh, injured list. Um, I know Pomeranz is supposed to be coming back, uh, Pierce Johnson, obviously, Adrian Moore home, Michelle Baez, Jose Castillo, and then Posse Austin Adams. Uh, I'm just curious what your thoughts on that. Out of those groups, you think have the most impact um, when they come back? And, um, yeah, curious to see how the bullpen will shake up the rest of the year because uh, it's been a weak point 
for the team this year, but uh, hope they can hold through at least and make a playoff push. Um, thanks so much, and uh, go Padres. All right. Thanks, Alex. Yeah, so he has just a question about the bullpen options when guys off the I.L. come back. Who's going to have the biggest impact? And what I would say to that, I mean, look, the options, like he laid them out there. Drew Pomerantz, Jose Castillo, Michelle Baez, those type of guys, right? I'm not going to count Austin Adams in there or Pierce Johnson because they're on the 60-day, right? I'm not going to count on them. I'm not going to count on Lamette. He's not on the I.L., but he's lost. He's in double A, not even pitching from as as much as I know. So I'm going really with Baez, Castillo, or Pomerantz, and my gut reaction would be Pomerantz just because of, like, the track record. Um, he, he really had a, a really good year. I want to say it was 2019. Through Pomerantz, that was. Uh, I think it was with the Giants, and then he got traded to the Brewers. And, like, when this guy stays healthy, like, he's a good reliever. 2019, with Milwaukee, after he got traded from the Giants, he had a 2.39 ERA. In 2016, when he was with the Padres, he had that 2.47 ERA in those 17 games with the Padres. Um... 2020, he had a 1.45 ERA with the Padres. Last year, in 27 games, he had a 1.75 ERA. I mean, his track record is there. He can strike out guys. He, like last year, he had 30 strikeouts and he walked 10. I'll take that. And one of those walks was an intentional walk. So I'll take that. Two home runs, doesn't give up the long ball too much. Like his track record is there. Where Michelle Baez and Jose Castillo, the track record isn't really there. They haven't done it like multiple, multiple years. For Baez 2019, he that was pretty much his only like I guess healthy year. 24 games, he had a 3.03 ERA. Uh 28 strikeouts, 14 walks. So I'm fine with that year. Okay. But then in 2020, only pitched three games. Gave up four runs and a little over four innings. And he just hasn't stayed healthy after that. That That's not a track record. That's not a big track record, you know? And then with Castillo, Jose Castillo. See if baseball reference even loads him. Here it is. Jose Castillo, another not track record. One year. 2018, 37 games, a 3-2-9 ERA. What's he done after that? 2019, he pitched one game and got hurt. Two-thirds of an inning, and he walked one guy in that inning. Like, he just doesn't have that track record, him or Baez, like Pomerantz does. So, to answer Alex's question, I mean, yeah, Morahone, Quan said, you know, mentions Morahone. That's another option as well, but I think he meant, like, real bullpen guys. I know he met he mentioned Morhone, I believe. So that's another option as well. But in terms of like real big impact relievers, because that's what the Padres are going to need, at least right now, they're good with starting pitching, even after the club injury. Um I'm going with Pomerantz because of the track record. It's just a matter of if he can stay healthy. I mean, all three of those guys, 
but I'm going to go with the track record over two guys who are younger who have not proved year in and year out that they can pitch, you know, and have a really big impact on teams like Pomerantz has done multiple years in the big leagues. So to answer that question, um, Alex from Pacific Beach, I am going to go with Drew Pomerantz to answer that question. Who in the bullpen, when they come back, who will have the biggest impact? I'm going Palmer. All right. So we talked about San Francisco Padres series. Obviously, Padres uh, swept the Giants. Swept them. Got the brooms out. Bye-bye. Previewed the Milwaukee series. Answered that voicemail question. Again, Swick 619-335-5770 for the voicemail number. If you want your thoughts uh, on the show. And just the way that I did that there, I'll do that with your voicemail. Uh, so keep those coming. Um, I did want to, before we get out of here, I did want to address the Jerks and Profar situation where fans were throwing beer and baseballs at him and so that happened I believe Friday night and the situation there I know I kind of going back and forth here in this series and bouncing all around to different stuff but so it seemed like Profar threw a ball he was supposed to throw it I think to a Padre fan or a kid and he threw it too far and it ended up being thrown to a Giants fan and the Giants fan threw it back and that's when it all started and then Profar threw it back into the crowd, I think the Giants fans threw it again to Profar. And so there were multiple balls that were thrown onto the field. And then later in the game, someone threw a beer can. So one, it's immature from the Giants fans, obviously. That can't happen. You buy a ticket to a game, that does not give you the right to do whatever the heck you want at a game. I know people think that, but it does not give you the right to throw stuff at players. It doesn't matter if they're on the other team. And those fans, I saw on Twitter some Giants fans were like, he threw the ball 90 miles an hour at him. Really? Profar threw the ball into the crowd at 90 miles an hour? Really? There's some ball plays at the plate, I doubt he throws it at 90 miles an hour, okay? Let's stop exaggerating, all right? Stop. So that was kind of the situation there. Uh, I think Profar addressed it good. I think Manny addressed it good. Just unacceptable, embarrassing. Uh, Just any word you want to use, really. Immature. And there might be some people with the argument be like, Ben, wasn't there a Padre fan that threw like a beer can at Bellinger in that Peco Park Padre Dodger series earlier this year? And I'll be like, yeah, I saw that. And that was immature out of them, too. That was childish out of them, too. Just because you bought a ticket doesn't mean you just go, go throw a beer can at Cody Bellinger. Yeah, I agree with that too. I'm not here to be biased you know, against Giants or Dodger fans. I'm just here saying, how about you just act like a regular human being and a civilized human being? So, like, you, you can't go to a baseball game and just act normal, be a fan, cheer, boo, not throw things, feel. Is that too much to ask? Like, 
come on. It just didn't make sense to me. So that was the situation. It didn't seem like anything happened on Saturday or Sunday. Saturday, Profar DH, so he didn't even play left. Then he played left today. It didn't seem like anything happened. But wanted to talk about that a little bit here at the end. All right, before we end, this episode, again, is sponsored by Gaglione Bros, famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries. Gaglionebros.com to view their entire menu, their addresses, their phone numbers, located Mission Gorge, Point Loma, and inside Petco Park. I'll be there Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. So I'm going to a lot of games, I think, this week. Um, so I'll definitely be hitting that up. Have the Gaglione Bros in the background there. Uh, again, gaglionebros.com for everything you need there. Great cheesesteaks with garlic fries. Um, so, again, Padres swept the Giants. They have Milwaukee coming up. Half game back at the Dodgers in the National League West. See if there's any more comments before I get out of here. Are you asking me this, John? Uh, you say, what are your favorite team? 1998 Padres or 2022 Padres? Well, I wasn't alive on in 1998, so 2022? <laughs> That's my option. Uh, let's see. I think you got some people in the chat are talking about Cronenworth and Brian Reynolds being swapped. That's not going to happen. I don't, to be honest, I don't really know why people are, you know, just want to trade Cronenworth. I get that he's not off to the start that he was last year. He's not going to be an all star this year, but that doesn't mean he's not a good player. And that doesn't mean that he can't get hot. I think he's. Had better at-bats this weekend against the Giants. All right, I think that's it. I think that's all the comments I need to address, all the topics I wanted to address. Clev hit the IL. Fans throwing stuff at Profar. Manny, just amazingly hot. Again, he has a 619 slugging percentage. My area code. All right, so this was, this was a fun episode, Padres are uh, 27 and 14 right now. And with that, I'll see you next time. Got the pregame show tomorrow. Postgame reaction at Talking Friars for highlights and stuff during the game. All right, I'll see you tomorrow. See ya.